Dear Lord, we thank you that we can gather in freedom and hear your word and give us uh, um, the minds to understand what you're saying to us and wills to follow through in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What are we on about as a church? Why do we gather on Sundays? Why do we take time out of our busy lives to meet together in this way? Because we could be tramping. We could be having breakfast or coffee in a very pleasant restaurant somewhere downtown. We could be fishing or playing golf if that's your thing. So why do we choose to meet together like this? Uh, well, some will say it's because of the community we have. Uh, and that's, that's good. Others say it's because of the kids. We want our kids to have a Christian upbringing and to be enculturated into the Christian faith as we were when we were young. Others come because of the chance to serve the community and make a practical difference. And still others come because, well, that's what they've always done. Habits are quite hard to break. So why do you belong to live streams? Why do you attend? Well, here's a story that explains why I belong. There was a young guy who'd grown up in the church and had always believed in God. But he always felt a little odd about being a Christian because most of his friends weren't. And he always suspected that, you know, religion might be like the emperor's new clothes, that if you scratch a bit, the whole house of cards might come crashing down. Anyway, he went to university, met other Christians, got involved in the Christian union. Nevertheless, he had a crisis of faith and wondered if there was a God and wondered if it was just his mother's faith that he just believed in all along. But in the process of wrestling with these issues, he came to know Jesus Christ more personally than ever before. He came to experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. He came to realize that God had loved him and the whole universe so much that he'd sent his son to die for him on the cross. And that was life-changing. And that's when his faith became real. He knew that God loved him. And it was a transforming experience. Of course, that young man was me. You see, God met me and changed me. And that is why I love the church. That is why I'm committed to live streams. Because we who gather have been touched to the deepest part of our being. God has changed us. And we've come to celebrate the goodness and the love of God every week. It's not only a duty, but a tremendous joy. So what is central to my faith? It's the fact that there is, there is a God, and this God came into his creation in Jesus. And Jesus lived and died for you and for me. And in his death and resurrection, he promises new life to all those who call upon him. And that is front and centre uh, to what the, the New Testament says about Jesus. You can break it down and look at it in different ways, but at the end of the day, that it's somehow about Jesus' death, has conquered death, and that even now we can experience God's new life in Christ breaking into our lives in the present. That is the plain and simple message of the New Testament. 
And it's interesting that in the gospel reading from Luke from this morning, we're told about the crucifixion of Jesus. And and, uh, fortunately, Luke doesn't dwell on the goriness of it. I'm glad about that. And it might seem strange that on the last Sunday of the church year, the Sunday before Advent, we have a reading about how Jesus died on the cross. Well, why would that be? It's there because at the very end of the church year, we celebrate King Jesus, who died for us and opened the gateway to new life. This is the kind of king he is, not in a royal throne somewhere up way up there in royal splendor. I actually almost met Prince Charles on Friday. Yeah, I was in the same room. Mm. Uh, it wasn't life-changing, I'll tell you that. I did notice, though, some people elbowed their way forward to actually meet him. I stood back and thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. He's just a guy. I'm not really a royal. But it's there, the reading from Luke chapter 23 is there because we celebrate King Jesus and we've got to see the kind of king that he is, not the kind of king we would assume. And this is the secret of the power of the gospel. That Jesus died for us on the cross. So let's look at it more closely. Because in Luke's account, uh, there is a cacophony of voices. You must have noticed that in the reading. A cacophony of voices at the cross when Jesus died. And Luke carries forward the significance of the cross through the words that the main characters have to say. Uh, And nine out of the 11 verses in the passage tell us what people said. No gore, virtually no gore, is what people said. And it's mostly not a dialogue either, but just taunts and mockery being hurled at Jesus. So what was being said and what meaning does it carry? Well, first of all, look at verse 35. It says that the leaders scoffed at Jesus, saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah. The soldiers speak in verse 37. They said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then in verse 39, it says that one of the thieves who was crucified with Jesus said, are you not the Messiah? Through clenched teeth of pain, I'm sure. Save yourself and us. So three times people taunted Jesus. The leaders, the soldiers, and the thief. Three times the sarcasm or mockery. And three times Jesus is silent. And notice the taunts are more or less the same. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah. If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Same structure for each of the three groups. They're basically saying, if you are the Messiah, prove it, save yourself, and come down from the cross. The Jewish leaders focus on the religious implication, if you are the Messiah, that's a religious term. The soldiers focus on the political implications, if you are the king. Now, you'll recall that at Jesus' baptism, the voice of God was heard to say, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Now recall at the temptations that followed when Jesus was driven into the wilderness, the evil one said, if you are the son of God, use these other ways. 
of achieving your ends. Sate your, your physical desires. Use the power of this world and achieve your mission through fame and notoriety. These are temptations to short-circuit the will of God and do things the expedient way, the human way. Now, on the cross, the evil one has returned, speaking through the leaders, the soldiers, and the thief, goading Jesus not to follow through with the Father's will, to stop short of death, to save himself and to come down from the cross. It's the same dynamic as the temptations. Now, we cannot imagine what it must have been like for Jesus in a state of indescribable agony to stay on that cross and to suffer and to die. To resist the final temptation of the evil one. To again, short-circuit the Father's will and take the easy route. It's impossible for us to understand the anguish of soul that must have been for Jesus. And you can see that there was a tremendous clash of expectations at this point. The Jewish leaders saw Jesus on the cross as evidence that he was not the Messiah. Messiahs don't do that. But the paradox was that if he had saved himself, he could not have saved others. He could not have been the Messiah. And so it's interesting and very important that Jesus was baptized. Remember when the voice came and said, you are my beloved son. When he was baptized, he wanted to associate fully with all of humankind. He was baptized alongside other people. He was baptized alongside you, all those who are baptized. He stands alongside us. And now at his death, he dies alongside two thieves, one of whom throws insults at him. And yet the other asks Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. So you see how Jesus is baptized with people and dies with people. Jesus Christ binds himself to our humanity in life and in death. He dies for us. He dies in our place because he is one of us. Divine, yes, but fully human. And he is absolutely resolute. You thought of the time you were doing something incredibly hard. And every fibre of your being said, turn away, turn away, turn the pain off. I can do that. I can stop. But he does not yield. He does not turn away and save himself. Because if he does, he cannot save us. He sees it through to save us, to save you, to save me. And this is the power of the Christian faith. Because it's not about trying harder. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's not about what you can do at all. It's about what God has already done for us through his son, Jesus, on the cross. And that is powerful because through the cross, God changes lives. How can that be? This happened 2,000 years ago. 
It's because on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin and death. And the power of the cross is in operation today. To heal us, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to transform our hearts. As he did for me, those many years ago now. We must never go soft on the cross. We must never accidentally or on purpose think that the centre of Christianity is the ethical teaching of Jesus. Yes, that's important, but it's not the centre. Or compassionate service. That's important. It's not the centre. Or the institution of the church. For some people, that's very important. It's not the centre. The centre of the Christian faith is the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And as I believe in and follow Jesus, I will come to experience the tremendous life-changing power of the cross. My heart will change. God will make me a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So I urge you, if you've never really felt that God has come into your heart, and to use a famous phrase of John Wesley, if you've never felt your heart strangely warmed, The word strangely is quite important there because it's different for everyone. But you just know when it happens. Then ask God to do this work of grace in your heart today. We don't need more instructions on how to live. We don't need more finger wagging. We don't need more courses or programs. We do need a living experience of God in our hearts whereby we become new in Christ, and experience the power of his cross and resurrection. If you've never experienced Christ in this way, say the following short prayer as you receive communion this morning. I acknowledge that you, Jesus, died for me. Help me to know you and to live for you in my life. Help me to experience your love and power today. Come into my heart and change me. Amen. And we'll leave.